of May, and it is a new week, a Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Hi, everybody. A post-NFL draft edition. Glad to be with you today. I uh, thought I'd get at this much earlier in the morning, but I had a long extended study trying to find something that I felt was a prompting to share with you in the faith portion of the podcast, and I really uh, arrived at what I'll share with you later uh, via a couple emails. So the emails really helped me today, and thank you for those emails and those of you who respond to the content here. Uh, the email address is wetacklelife at gmail.com. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you with us here on a May 3rd edition of the podcast. We'll recap the NFL draft from the Browns, Bengals' perspective, from the Ohio State perspective, and uh, because this podcast started as a co-podcast with Chris Spielman, we'll talk a little bit about the Lions, and can't talk about the Lions without talking about their division rival and their Spielman rival, the Minnesota Vikings. So a lot of that ahead today. Reminder that our sponsors make the podcast possible. Uh, it is uh, very much appreciated by me that they continue to believe in the podcast, even though it does not have Chris on it anymore. And I should thank you for making uh, this a an endeavor that continues to pay dividends for our sponsors. First and foremost, I rarely lead with them, so I'll lead with them today. Willis Spangler Starling, the attorney firm that I trust, and if I trust them, I'd certainly give them my personal endorsement, and I would tell you that you can trust them for whatever legal issues that you have. Willis Spangler Starling, Central Ohio customers will find them on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. They're great. They're very competent, more than competent. They're exceedingly competent, and they have unmatched integrity and character because they come at what they do from a Christian perspective. They look at it as their way of serving God. He's given them gifts. They're fascinated by the law. They can invest in people. They can live out their faith. So Willis Spangler Starling, great firm. Find them online, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Okay, let's lead from the Ohio State perspective a uh, lot of Buckeyes were taken, and I think a lot of them landed in good spots. Justin Fields, the only one taken in the first round. The second Buckeye off the board was Friday night, Pete Werner, going to the New Orleans Saints. There's something about the Saints and Ohio State players. A lot of them have wound up there. A lot of them have played well there. So I'm not a bit surprised that Pete Werner went in the second round. I thought he could. He wasn't necessarily slotted that high, but I think Pete Werner is going to be a very productive player for the New Orleans Saints just as Von Bell was, just as Marshawn Lattimore is, uh, just as Ted Ginn was for a while. Boy, who else? Will Smith, the late Will Smith. So a lot of Buckeyes have done very well in New Orleans, and I would anticipate, oh, I left out Michael Thomas, of course, can't guard Mike, and I left out Malcolm Jenkins. So a lot of Buckeyes have uh, done well in the Crescent City. I feel sorry for Pete Werner, because if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know New Orleans is my least favorite city in America because it stinks of vomit and puke and bleh. I just I hate New Orleans. Uh, but uh, Pete Werner, I'm sure, will make enough money that he can live in a great part of the city and will do very well there. Uh, Josh Myers, center, round two, Green Bay Packers. That's really a good spot for Josh Myers. Because he's probably going to take uh, Corey Lindsley's spot there, another former Buckeye. Josh Myers will be a good, I think, longtime NFL player. And uh, he got drafted, I think, as high as he could have hoped because his position is not a position that typically goes that high. Wyatt Davis goes to the Vikings in round three. Rick Spielman, it seems to me, Rick always takes an Ohio State player. Uh, he had uh, Pat Elfline for a while. Now Elfline's gone. Now Wyatt Davis is probably going to slide in and start at guard for the Minnesota Vikings. So Wyatt Davis will be very good as a Viking. 
I'm surprised Trey Sermon went in round three. I to the Niners. I Trey Sermon was great at the end of last year. He doesn't seem to me that he has the speed to play in the NFL. Maybe I'm wrong. Just saying. Um, he might be one of those guys that's faster than he looks, but I was a little surprised by that. Baron Browning to Denver in round three. Baron Browning's a creation of the draft because he's really fast and really athletic. Um, he he wasn't a guy who lived up to his recruiting expectations at Ohio State. He's not alone in that. A lot of guys don't. A lot of guys do. He did not. But will the Denver Broncos be able to situationally use Baron Browning to do the things he can do? Yes. Um, you would hope. But if they ask him to cover, watch out. Because Ohio State asked him to cover in the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson two years ago. And he was always just about arm's length away from making the tackle that he needed to make at the time Ohio State needed him to make it. Tommy Togiai, defensive lineman, goes to the Browns in round four. I think Tommy Togiai will make the team. The Browns have divested themselves of higher-priced veterans in the middle of the line. Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi. Richardson they may bring back, I don't know, but Togiai I think is a good run plugger. He'll have a nice career there and be a good value for the Browns in the fourth round. Luke Farrell goes to the Jags in round five. Uh, they don't have a pass-catching tight end in Jacksonville. Luke Farrell really wasn't that at Ohio State, but he'll block and protect Trevor Lawrence. And if you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence number one, and if you didn't, you were stupid, and Urban's not stupid, uh, protecting Trevor Lawrence with any and all assets you can is a smart move. The next Buckeye off the board, Sean Wade, fifth round to the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, and then Jonathan Cooper to the Broncos in round seven. Sean Wade, fifth round. All right, well, what do we know here, people? Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade made decisions to come back to Ohio State. I don't think it is even worth arguing for anybody that they maximize their value in the NFL with the timetable they chose to employ as college players. Both of them, had they left a year earlier, would have been higher picks. I just think that's indisputable. Sean Wade might have been a first-round pick. When you're an underclassman and you can come out and you don't have to go to the Senior Bowl and all you have to do is work out individually and they're working off your college tape, which for Sean Wade as an inside corner was elite, he would not have gone lower than the second round in the draft. He certainly would not have gone lower than the third round in the draft. Now, what's the value of coming back and playing an extra year at Ohio State in terms of friendships, camaraderie? I don't know. Maybe you're, you could argue, and you, and you might be right, your NFL career is longer if you come back and make yourself a better player with another year in college. I believe when you're ready to go, and you're only ready when they say you're ready, you got to go. So Chris Olave this year, in my opinion, made a mistake. Because what do we know about Chris Olave? If he comes back this year and he wins the Bulitnikov and they win the national championship, you'd say, well, that was worth it. Okay, in terms of nice memories and accomplishments, yes. But Chris Olave will have shortened his NFL career by one year. He just will. Everybody who comes back to play another year in college when they can go to the NFL has shortened their NFL career by one year. And typically... Your highest salaried year is when? Your final year in the NFL. So don't think of it as you're forfeiting your rookie salary. Think of it as you're forfeiting your final year salary. And that's your highest salaried year because your career would be a year longer. So 
no doubt in my mind, Wade made a mistake, Wyatt Davis made a mistake, and it's the same mistake Chris Olave's making. It's the same mistake Joey Galloway made. It's the same mistake a lot of guys have made. And that's why I never begrudge a guy going early because they are doing what they need to do to maximize their own uh, future and because it's interesting to me that a lot of people who would say, oh, this guy's a bad guy for leaving early are the same people who pound the table and want college athletes to be paid. Well, if you want college athletes to be paid for what they're giving the university, why don't you want them to get paid as soon as they can get paid as pros? Those are two incompatible arguments to me. People who say, oh, you ought to be paying the athletes. Well, then let them go get paid. So in my opinion, that's um, too bad for Sean Wade that he got exposed outside, and he did get exposed outside. If he had only been a slot corner, NFL teams would have believed he could play outside or would they have taken him as a slot corner, and he would have gone way above where he went to the Baltimore Ravens in the fifth round. Now, you know, they're going to look at him differently. When you go high in the draft, this is the other aspect of going early. When you go high in the draft, you get multiple chances. Look how many chances Bobby Carpenter got as a first-round pick. You don't get those chances as a fifth-round pick. They, they, you don't. If you don't play well right away, bye-bye. See you later. Sean Wade could get cut by the Ravens as a fifth-round pick. He ain't getting cut as a second- or third-round pick, and certainly not as a first-round pick. So that's just the reason why you go early is because you're going to get paid, and they're probably going to take you higher because there's a little bit of a mystery about you. Now, some guys go early and they have no business going out, which would be the case with Dwayne Washington or E.J. Liddell if they went to the NBA draft this year. The argument for the agents with Liddell and Washington is you're kind of fixed your appeal to teams. I don't agree with that, by the way, with either one of those players. I think Dwayne Washington needs to make himself into a point guard if he wants to be in the NFL and the NBA. And E.J. Liddell needs to make himself into a small forward, so he needs to figure out how to put the ball on the floor, go create his own shot, get a better handle, those kinds of things. He's not going to be a power forward in the NBA. So those two guys can come back to college and increase their marketability. Wade and Davis were what they were. They were outstanding players uh, the year before they left Ohio State, and they could have gone and had much better NFL resumes because they would have been a little bit more intriguing and Wyatt Davis now goes into the NFL. Did he get hurt? Did he get it dinged a little bit in the draft because he got hurt? Maybe. So uh, when you're uninjured and you've played well, take the money when the money is there. All right. Uh, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, longest-running sponsor of the podcast. Happy to hear from you. Love you guys who are repeat customers of Hemisphere. My sponsors will stand on their own merits. If you've tried Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee and it's not something you like, that's okay. But many, 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 many of you have become repeat customers of Hemisphere because you love the coffee and maybe because you love the mission, too, where they buy their coffee from growers around the world and help those growers plug into their local communities and do great things there. So bourbon barrel aged coffee is one of their new flavors. Hunter's Blend, House Blend, Java Blues, Jamaica Me Crazy, any kind of coffee you want. Lots of caffeine, less caffeine, no caffeine, light, medium, dark roast, K-Cups, whole bean, roast, you name it, they've got it tailored to your specifications. Let them send a gift pack to people around the country. Great wedding gift, great graduation gift. So many kids are into coffee now. Introduce them to Hemisphere early so they're not drinking awful coffee when they head off to college or into the workforce. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps and get 15% off. All right, Browns draft. Uh, They're being 
lauded. We've covered the first round, Greg Newsom, on Friday. They're being lauded for getting Jeremiah Awusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame in the second round. They traded up to get him because he's kind of a linebacker safety hybrid type, really fast guy. I don't share everybody's gaga-ness over Jeremiah Awusu-Koromoa. He made some nice hits in college. I... uh, I mean, I think he'll play, and I think he'll make some plays, and I think he could be a real phenomenal special teams player. But in a second-round pick, I'd like a guy, you know, a bit more uh, impactful than just special teams. They aren't a, a franchise that prioritizes linebackers, so, you know, maybe he'll be great. I just, I'm just, i not saying he's a bad player or it's a bad pick. It's a, it's a really good pick because he was rated high on a lot of boards. I'm just not as high on Koromoa, as a lot of people are. Anthony Schwartz, a wide receiver out of Auburn, really fast. I mean, is he is he super fast and can catch, or is he super fast and John Ross? I don't know. But he seems to be a pretty good value pick. Uh, Demetric Felton, running back, kick returner, wide receiver out of UCLA, late in the draft. People love that pick. Where's he going to play? I mean, the Browns are stacked at running back, and I think they're pretty stacked at wide receiver. So as a kick returner, maybe, but boy, it's hard for a guy with those skills to make this team with the number of skill players that the Browns have. The pick I really liked on days two and three for the Browns is James Hudson, offensive tackle out of Cincinnati. This is a kid who went to Michigan, then he went to UC. He played at a high level for UC. Uh, the scouts say he has really good feet. I have to say it that way because I don't know if he's got good feet or not, <laughs> but they say he does, and I know this, uh, he would not have been a player at Cincinnati if he wasn't tough because Luke Fickle re- requires and demands toughness from his guys. So kudos to the uh, for the Browns for grabbing Cincinnati's James Hudson where they grabbed him, I believe, in the fifth round. As for the Bengals, speaking of tackles and big tackles, they needed one in round two after they passed on Panay Sewell in the round, first round with the fifth pick. You know how I feel about that. I didn't like that pick at all. If you're going to take a wide receiver at five and there are three on the board, trade back and take one later. Uh, But they get Jackson Carmen with the 38th pick. They actually traded back in the second round when there were some really highly rated tackles on the board. Kid from Stanford, but he hadn't played a lot. Kid from Oklahoma State. Mm. Uh, Jackson Carmen is a guy, I told you Friday, I like him and I think – His tape against Chase Young speaks for itself. The Bengals, it must have spoke loudly to them. Jackson Carmen is a really good player, but I don't purport to know more than NFL scouts. There's a reason why he was rated where he was rated. So did they reach for Jackson Carmen? I don't know. Maybe they love him. Maybe they're right. Uh, So it just, to me, felt like Panay Sewell was the pick there. I mean, Panay Sewell with... Anthony Munoz and ah, just I just I would have taken Penesul. That's why I think the Lions had a great draft because they got Penesul. All right. Otherwise, uh, after Jackson Carmen, the other pick that the Bengals got that everybody seems to love is Joseph Asai, an edge rusher from Texas, and then a offensive lineman from Georgia, Trey Hill, who's six five three twenty, big center guard type, a little tall for a center guard, but. Man, uh, that's getting rave reviews. And then they pick up Chris Evans, uh, Michigan running back. People like Chris Evans a lot. I 
Uh, Chris Evans was pretty ordinary as a college running back, but is he Gio Bernard? Well, he's Gio Bernard light. Uh, Gio Bernard, I love Gio Bernard, and I'm not so sure that um, Chris Evans is Gio Bernard. But they got a body, and they got a couple extra picks by trading back with New England and ended up with Jackson Carmen. so they did okay. All right, let's go to your Minnesota Vikings, Rick Spielman's Minnesota Vikings. Wyatt Davis, third-round pick. Um, they also picked Kellen Mond, Texas A&M quarterback. Uh, Kellen Mond is there in case Kirk Cousins bombs and doesn't merit a contract extension. They have time to develop Kellen Mond for two years. Uh, don't hate the pick. I think uh, he's got a big arm. I saw him sometimes in college and loved him and saw him sometimes in college and thought, man, he's not very accurate. So he has raw tools. I would be interested to see as big and strong as Kellen Mond is, could the Vikings use him like the Saints use Taysom Hill? I'd be curious about that uh, because he seems to me to be a football player who could contribute on the field and won't get broken in half like, you know, you wouldn't throw – Kirk Cousins out there as a slot receiver or as a wildcat guy. But Kellen Mond, I think he could do that. So we'll see what Rick Spielman and the Vikings do with Kellen Mond. But that's an interesting choice. Now to the Lions. Uh, the Lions are getting rave reviews for their draft. Top 10 grades, you know, really well. They beefed up in their, with their second and third pick in the middle of the defensive line. So Dan Campbell... Physical, you know, advocating physical football. Got bigger on the offensive line, better on the offensive line with Panay Sewell. Got presumably bigger, better on the defensive line with a couple of big tackles, uh, inside guys. Uh, second and third round, they needed a wide out. They got one from USC uh, who's got some speed. He'll have an opportunity to play. Fourth round pick, I don't know. Maybe he and Jared Goff will hit it off coming out of the state of California. Uh, but the Lions are getting rave reviews for their picks, and I will trust the draft experts on all of that. Um, a reminder that CBD Health Collection offers you the opportunity to find relief for your pain. I find relief for my pain with their products. And I use the warming salve. I use the freeze gel. Uh, back issues. I have a weird thing going on on Saturdays where I work in the yard all day, and then I my back just like, it doesn't go out gradually. It just goes like all at once where it's like, if I move, I'm going to go down. So I put the warming salve on after I take my shower and I let that soak into my skin and then, you know, pretty good. So it's not uh, a miracle cure, but it takes the pain away. And you know, if it's a miracle cure, it fixes the problem. It's not like, uh, you know, that, but Three to five hours of relief, well worth it. I can get to sleep, and I wake up the next day, and I'm fine. So uh, it's just muscle soreness, and that's what CBD products do. Take it in pill form. If you can't take pills, rub it on the spot. Sunscreen for golfers in the summertime, that's really a win-win. You know, why put the Icy Hot on your sore elbow? Why not just put, like, CBD Health Collection sunscreen on there? Protect yourself from sunburn and get the pain relief. CBDHealthCollection.com. Use the promo code Bruce. Get 15% off promo code Bruce to get 15% off. Uh, the big story of the draft was Aaron Rodgers wanting to be traded. Um, I don't know. I mean, could he pull a Carson Palmer and sit out and 
not play. I suppose he could. Uh, where would I predict Aaron Rodgers would end up if he gets traded? I mean, come on. Doesn't this just scream Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> I mean, Aaron Rodgers as a uh, you know little bit of an unhappy guy. It's close to the Cal- California where he played. Gruden, a former Packer assistant coach under Andy Reid. Gruden, Mike Mayock wanting to make a big splash. Rodgers to the um, Raiders makes perfect sense, and the Raiders would be all in on a splashy move like that. So that's where I would say Aaron Rodgers would wind up if, in fact, he gets traded. They could swap Derek Carr and, you know, a couple picks for him and whatever. Um, So we'll see whether that happens or not. But uh, it'll be a stare down. They'll take it all the way to camp. Uh, of that, I am sure. How about that Reds game yesterday? I'm not. I don't follow Major League Baseball closely. I used to, but I don't anymore. Uh, but I just happened to be on Twitter yesterday a couple of times, and I noticed that the Reds and the Cubs were uh, locked in a home run fest, and it <laughs> it ended 13 to 12, 13 to 12, a Major League Baseball game. So there are 25 runs in that game. There were 10 home runs, uh, there were 30 hits, uh, and the Reds won it. So 13-12, uh, to 12, walk-off win, 10 innings over the Chicago Cubs. Just a wild, crazy uh, baseball score that I thought was worth mentioning uh, before we get into the faith portion of the podcast. Got an email from, uh, let's see if he signed his name, Nick. Nick, thank you. You're a longtime listener of the podcast. I must have made... A statement the other day that uh, Rich Rod played the same kind of a defense as somebody. I don't even remember who I was talking about, but I got the alignment wrong uh, that Rich Rod played at Michigan. And I think I said a 4-2-5. And uh, Nick reminds me that Rich Rod played a 3-3-5, which did not work out well, as Nick points out, against uh, the Browns, or excuse me, the uh, Buckeyes strength up front. Yes, no, it did not end well for Rich Rod. Mike emails the show. He says, I never played it down a football. I'm not trying to show you everything I know, uh, but I have some questions. He said, Braxton Miller hurt his labrum, shoulder, and never threw a pass again as a Buckeye. Didn't Trevor Lawrence have the same injury? I haven't heard this topic. Braxton, Trevor discussed anywhere. Did Trevor have a better surgeon? What makes him so incredible? Uh, he says, OSU got to him the last time they played, and it seems like in the 2019 game, the Buckeyes just didn't know Trevor would run. I'm not in awe of Trevor. I know he has size and talent to play in the NFL. He doesn't look as athletic as a player like Justin Fields, who I've seen and met. I work at OSU, and Justin was kind and polite to me when he didn't have to be. Yeah, I think Justin's a really nice young man. Um, But as for your question, uh, Trevor Lawrence's labrum was his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, Braxton's was his right shoulder. Braxton, um, by the time he came back, I think Braxton could have played quarterback, but... JT Barrett had played really well, and Braxton knew he'd be an NFL wide receiver, so why not get a start on being a wide receiver his final year of college football? That was kind of the choice that he made. I always thought Ohio State would have him throw a pass. They never did, but that's the main reason with Trevor Lawrence. Now, as for Trevor Lawrence as an NFL player, he checks all the boxes. He's mobile, he's big, big arm, lots of big game experience, lots of starting experience. Um, so that's why people prize him over Justin Fields. Lawrence is really accurate. So is Fields, but Trevor has an extra year of starting over Justin and 
Could Justin Fields be a better NFL quarterback? Sure. He's going to a better team. It's a big advantage. Trevor Lawrence is going to a terrible team, and he's going to get hit a lot. And you know what that does to quarterbacks. Make some gun shy, get some hurt, uh, make gives them happy feet. So Trevor Lawrence will have to really, you know, persevere to uh, deal with the disadvantages of being the number one overall pick. Everybody always talks about the advantages, but there are disadvantages. And so um, we'll see what he can do. Um, okay, so those are our emails. Remember to send your emails to wetacklelife at gmail.com. Wetacklelife at gmail.com. With that, let me do my final sponsor read, and then we'll get into the faith portion of the podcast and a couple emails here from Brad and George which will get us into that. Uh, thanks to auiinfo.com. Business owners, I'm sure I have some listening to the podcast. doesn't have to be like, you know, you don't have to own a, a humongous retail store or restaurant. You can have a business with two people. Um, so if you do, and you'd like to have the buying power of a big business when it comes to insurance plans, many of you are intrigued by Chamber of Commerce plans. Chamber of Commerce plans are really good. But what you need to know is you don't have to belong to your local chamber to get that particular plan, and you can get any chamber plan or association plan in the whole state of Ohio. If you belong to any chamber, these are things that auiinfo.com told me. This is how the system works. These are the nuances that you and I as general people would think, well, if I want the Columbus Chamber plan, I have to be a member of the Columbus Chamber. You don't. You can join the cheapest chamber in Ohio, wherever it is, 500 bucks as opposed to 2,500 bucks, save two grand up front, and get access to the chamber plan you want. Those are the things that auiinfo.com can help you understand as a business owner. Yes, you can change your insurance right now as an individual too. All of these things are things you can ask about, find out about, take care of at auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. That's where you get all your health insurance questions answered. And business owners, get them to put together for you a plan across the spectrum of insurance, life, vision, dental health, disability. And also you get access to 300 modules of HR training. Your employees want to talk about employee development. They want to talk about this, that, or the other. That's all free. That's all free. And again, the whole service of AUI Info is free. AUIinfo.com is free because they're paid by the companies they put you with. So free service to you. They get paid. Don't worry. They're not, you know, pro bono for everybody, but they get paid just not by you. So why would you not avail yourself of it? AUIinfo.com. Today on the faith portion of the podcast, I want to thank Brad and George for emailing the show because I'm going to refer to both their emails here as we begin. Uh, George says he wants to thank me for the excellent podcast, and uh, he says my thoughts parallel his. Well, you know, I'm not. I don't mean. Uh, we of course I don't think that the uh, quality depends upon whether uh, you foster agreement, but it is nice to be encouraged. Uh, like that. And so George has been extremely encouraging to me on this podcast. He sent me um, some nice things in the mail, some nice notes, some other things, and I do appreciate it. It is very encouraging to know that the content is resonating with some people, and that's why I do uh, this podcast in general. I do the sports portion so I can get to the faith portion because that's what I'm much more passionate about at this stage of my life, and I feel like that's what God is calling me to do with my life at this time. Uh, he shares a quote from Josh McDowell, who's a great Christian author. I've heard Josh speak. He's phenomenal. He said, um, 
George's email says, it's encouraging to know men like yourself continue to speak up for Jesus. All too often, people are afraid of saying the wrong things to people for fear that they may lose friends. It's better to lose a friend than to lose a soul. So true. He said, I think Josh McDowell once said, if anyone ever accuses me of being a Christian, I hope there would be enough evidence to convict me. May we all be convicted. Yeah, a true story from my past. I worked in Miami, Florida for a year and a half, and had a friend there who um, worked at another newspaper. Uh, I got another job, got the job I had here at the plane dealer for 18 years, came back, uh, went through a crisis in my life, rededicated my life to Christ, really for the first time dug into the Bible to find out what the gospel was about, and reached out to that friend for a question, I think it related to college football. And uh, we were, you know, chitty-chatting on the phone, and he asked how things were going. And I said, well, I'm, you know, in one respect, things are going lousy because I have this big crisis in my life that I'm going through. And it's really cut my knees out from under me emotionally. But spiritually, I'm, like, super dialed in on my faith, and I've gotten back to my faith, and God is so good. And he's like, wow, I never knew you were a Christian. Well, that hurt because, you know, theoretically I was when I was there, but obviously he didn't see evidence of that my life. So at that point in time, there wouldn't have been enough evidence to convict me. I certainly hope there is now. So today, I I don't know, I just woke up in a mood where I was uh, troubled about um, the world, and um, conflict, and anger. Uh, this has been a frequent theme on the podcast. I read a story this morning on my Google News alerts that there was a shooting in Columbus last night in a in the, in the arena district, which, you know, you don't think of that as being a bad part of town. And I'm like, wow, what is going on that these horrible things are happening and the randomness of life? Um, just to bring you behind the curtain a little bit with our family, we lost a friend this weekend who um, had been battling a disease, but we did not know that it was at a dire stage. And so I'd like for you, if you would please, to pray for... Um, Pray for Brad and his family. That's what I'll say. I'll try to keep them anonymous, but pray for Brad and his family. Four, he's now a dad of four kids. Um, great family. The mom passed away. and She was saved. She came to faith, I believe, or at least reaffirmed her faith during this struggle in her life. So, um, yeah. The heaviness of the world weighing down on me this morning. And uh, last night we watched um, The Chosen, which if you haven't watched The Chosen, if you're a person of faith, it's a phenomenal um, way to sort of get you to think about the Gospels in different ways than you have before. Not that it's not biblical, but it isn't the Bible. It makes poetic license allowances and things like that, but it's really good for um, getting you to think about what Jesus was really like, what were his disciples like, what was that time like. So I had all that noodling around in my mind today uh, as I came downstairs, and I spent a long time in prayer, and I spent a long time searching the scriptures for what I was going to say to you guys today. And I didn't really have anything until I just felt like I needed, and I thought about my father, uh, because I miss my father, and I thought about a song that my father likes a lot, and that song is called The Lighthouse. And in that song, 
there's a parallel between a lighthouse on a hillside that overlooks, you know, the rocky coast and our lives where God is overlooking our lives, watching us, and we're kind of floundering around at times in the water, almost drowning, almost crashing. And that the song, the lyrics say, Jesus is the lighthouse. Um, I thank God for the lighthouse. I owe my life to him. For Jesus is the lighthouse and from the rocks of sin. He has shown his light around us that I might clearly see if it wasn't for the lighthouse, where would this ship be? That's the lyrics of the song. So this is what I wrote down, just some words connecting in my journal, and then I want to bring it back to an email here from Brad. And Brad is writing about um, his local school district and the bent in the, in the school district to begin teaching critical race theory. And um, he notes, and he's right, the destructive path that it creates. Diversity, equity, and inclusion sound great. And you could say, well, Jesus was, you know, about diversity. He was. Everybody can have the gospel. Equity. Treat everybody, you know, what's the golden rule? You know, the golden rule is all about equity. Um, Inclusion, of course, you know. But those words are co-opted by people who don't have the fruits of the Spirit in their life. They don't have the Holy Spirit in their life. They don't have the Holy Spirit because they haven't accepted Christ as their Savior. If you go to the BLM website, at least I don't know if they've scrubbed this, but they used to be, they used to say that they're against anti-black racism. Well, I'm against anti-black racism, but I'm also against anti-Asian racism and anti-Hispanic racism and anti-white racism. Like racism is racism. It's always wrong. So if you're only about one particular faction, that tells you they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't love all men. Jesus said, greater love hath no man. He'd give up his life for his brother. I don't see any fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, understanding, self-control. I don't see any of that in the critical race theory movement. I don't see any mention of God in the critical race theory movement. The critical race theory is an offshoot of BLM, which is an offshoot of Marxism, and Marxism is all about oppression and oppressors, and the ultimate oppressor in Marxist theology is, is or an ideology, the ultimate oppressor is God. Because God sets parameters for what you can do and what you can't do. And what's more impressive than that? Uh, oppressive than that. From a Marxist perspective, there's nothing oppressive about it from a Christian perspective because God loves you. He's provided a way for you to be reconciled to Christ. He gives you that, that rock to hold on to, that lighthouse to look toward for guidance, for direction, for encouragement, for inspiration, for conviction, for affirmation, for salvation, for justification. I mean, I could go on and on and on. So Brad is writing this about, what do I do? Like, I see this danger in my school system. And he says, I plan to talk to friends and neighbors in the district to see if I can get more awareness of what is going on and the ideology that is driving this movement that sounds nice on the surface. It's crazy so many people are unaware. I'm scared and clueless. I know that by trying to push back, I will most likely be labeled every ist imaginable, racist, fascist, you know, all that stuff. Brad says, I don't want my family to be ostracized. 
I don't want to create animosity among friends and neighbors who may disagree with me. I have never been politically active. I don't know the best way to try and sway the board to not go down this road. I'm continuing to pray for wisdom, courage, and strength. If you have any suggestions for me, I'll gladly take them. If not, simply your prayers will be great. Well, thank you, Brad. You're in a tough spot, but you're in a spot that a lot of people are understanding right now is a line of demarcation. And in the book of Esther, the theme of the book of Esther is that we're put in positions for such a time as God has prepared us to address certain situations in our life. For Esther, it was going to the king, which was highly um, not allowed, prohibited, for a queen to go in and talk to the king. It just didn't happen. You only talked to the king if he invited you. So Esther had to figure out a way to get in front of the king, and then she had to figure out a way to talk about the king's right-hand man, Haman, who was trying to wipe the Jewish race off the face of the earth. Well, the king... The king must not have known Esther was a Jew. So Esther had to go in and say a hard thing to the king, stand up and put her life at risk for such a time as this. But she was in that position. God put her in the king's palace for that time. And I think he's put all of us Christians in this time for a reason. And we have a lot of people who are openly hostile in our country toward the things of God for the first time ever openly hostile, trying to marginalize the things of God. They're closing churches, they're doing, you know, they're banning churches from meeting and all this stuff. And and it all came about, you know, for quote unquote a good reason with COVID. But the reason behind COVID was what? Fear. Unknown. Don't know what's going to happen. And so, ah, oh, we're not going to go to church. We might catch it from somebody. And COVID, I that was a that was a legitimate concern at the time. I'm not trying to make a dismiss it. A lot of people have died. It is a serious thing. But fear is used to make people surrender without a fight. That's what fear is used for. Okay? So the fear that Brad has with his school board, with his community, with his friends, is, as he said, he'll be ostracized. His family will be ostracized. You might have to put your kids in a different school. You might have to homeschool. You might have to tell your kids you're going to have to find a way to toughen up and deal with it and deal with the persecution. Remember, Jesus said, he didn't say if the world hates you. He said when the world hates you. When. Remember, it hated me first. The world will hate you if you stand for the truth of of Scripture because... It hates Jesus, and if you're standing for the things Jesus stood for, it's going to hate you too. I don't say that to scare you. I say that so you know who you're aligned with. Now, the question becomes, do you have peace with that, and are you all in with that, and you're going to stand, as Ephesians 6 says, to stand firm. Stand. You're not going to be moved. So I wrote in my journal, light. Light is good. John, the beginning of the Gospel of John, John talks about, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that light, in Him was light, and Jesus was light, and that light was the light of men, was the life of men. It gave, Light and life are like, right, like that. The life, the light in Christ gives life to men. Darkness, which is what critical race theory is, which is what all racism is, whether it's white supremacy or BLM, 
it's all darkness. If imagine if you're like in a ship on the sea and you're stranded and you're looking to be rescued, you're in a cave, you're in the dark, you're looking light is a welcome thing to see, right? You just, hey, there's a light over there. Because light doesn't just happen. What does it mean if you see a light? If you're in a cave and all of a sudden you see light shining on the wall, it means either the outside is there, light's coming in from the outside, or somebody's in there with a flashlight looking for you. If you're on the sea in a ship and you're crashed and you don't know where you are, or you see a light flashing, you know somebody's making that light flash, or that's a lighthouse, that's a safety, that's a bastion of security and safety. So light is always good. And what does light do? Light changes darkness. Light changes darkness and illuminates it and shows what it really is. And that is what I would say to you, Brad, is that you feel a burden here to illuminate what the darkness is. The darkness is racism. The darkness is hate towards someone because of immutable characteristics they can't change. How ridiculous is it to say that if you're black, you're too dumb to get an ID to vote. Or if you're white, you're automatically born with hatred toward other people who are a different color than you. Those things are not innate to people. I mean, all the stereotypes that we used to have way, way back in the slave era of black people being lazy, black people being dumb, that's horrible to think that way. That's not, that's not true. So how could it be better now to label people who are of a certain color incapable of seeing the character of a person simply because they're white? We used to say it of black people, they were less than. Now we're saying it of white people, they're less than or they're oppressors just because of their color. That's not of God. That's not how God made man. Where does that ugliness come from? It comes from the human heart. If there's darkness in your heart, you're going to say things like that. You're going to make accusations like that. And if you don't have the light of God in you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside you, if you don't have God's voice in you and the mind of Christ in you, which is all part of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to spout hatred. And you're, going to, you're not going to connect logical things and true things. You're not going to know the truth. So... This is the battle that we're in, Brad. This is the battle for such a time as this. You want to be safe? You want to not get criticized? What's going to happen? The darkness is going to win out over the light. And I'm not talking to you only directly here, Brad, but since you emailed me and asked me, I had a friend I called last week. And I tried to get him to enlist with me in this battle, and he's a little hesitant because of what it can cost him. I understand that. I'm not critical of that. Because I'm in a situation in my job where I'm supported by a company that won't fire me for saying these things. But do I bring danger upon myself and upon my family and upon the people I love? I worry about that. But God tells me, don't worry, I got it. And so... So much of this, light and darkness, leads to the number one thing that Jesus prizes, which is faith. Because if you have light, light is 
indicative of life, okay? And the disciples are in the same the disciples then were in the same position you're in now, Brad. Do I follow this? Do I follow what I know is true? This teaching, this rabbi, this Jesus. Do I follow this or do I cling to the old ways? Do I just nah, I can't quite give up what I want to follow, what I know is true, what I know is good, but there's a cost to doing it, right? I got to leave my family. I got to leave the people I know. I got to leave the people I love. I got to follow this guy all over the place. So they surrendered their life and they followed Christ. Surrendering is giving up, yielding, submitting. That's scary. That's really scary. The unknown, you're trading the known for the unknown. And that's scary. I get it. Why do you do that? Because you have faith that God will do what he says he will do. That he will protect you, that he will make a way, that you're pleasing him, that you're stepping out in faith. Faith is what he asks of us. Faith is how we indicate our belief in him. Faith is trust. And so I wish I could tell you what your personal cost will be for standing up for the truth. I can't. I can tell you what your personal cost will be for not standing up for the truth. And the personal cost for not standing up for the truth is that you will know that you didn't do what God was prompting you to do. It's scary because we don't always, we don't, here's the thing. People can tell you the right answer. It's not the comfortable answer. I uh, was listening to a podcast the other day, and Andrew Claven was talking about a letter he got from a pastor, and a pastor was saying he was close to retirement, and I'm 60 years old, I'm close to retirement, and my church is starting to bring this critical race theory stuff in, and they want me to go through training, and I know it's not of God, and I know it's not, you know, true, but I just think, you know, maybe I can lay low for five years, and I can, you know, cash out my retirement and get out of here in five years, and things won't get too bad with me for the next five years. What do you suggest? And Andrew Claven told him, he's like, if you're worried about compromising your integrity by staying there for five years, you've already compromised it. If you're not doing what God's telling you to do, you've already lost. What have you lost? You've lost your ability to know you're serving the Savior who gave up his son's life for you. So I, look, I, this is not a, this is not an ask Bruce Hooley and have Bruce Hooley tell you what to do question. This is a search your heart, ask God, and have God tell you what to do question. I don't purport to know your family. I don't purport to know your personal situation. I don't want you acting on what I tell you. I'm just trying to do what? I'm trying to shine a light on some dark things in your life and see what gets illuminated in your own personal conversations between you and God. That's what I'm trying to do. Um... There's a lot of things in the Bible about faith. And if you haven't read Hebrews 11, the faith chapter where God talks about all the people in the Bible who stepped out in faith, Abraham, Moses, on and on and on and on and on, stepped out in faith. And then he notes at the end of Hebrews 11, none of them got everything they thought they were going to get. None of them in this life. But beyond this life, which if you're a Christian, you know that's where, that's what we're pointing toward. Do you think you'll get shortchanged there? You know you won't. You know you won't. I had a friend one time who said something that I thought was very true. I've always remembered it, and I'll share it with you as I end the podcast. He said, God is inviting you 
to trade a starring role in the small story of you for a supporting role in the big story of him. God is inviting you to trade a starring role in the small story of you for a supporting role in the big story of him. So which role are you going to choose? With that, we'll end the podcast today. And thank you for your time. I do appreciate it very much. Uh, faith portion of the podcast will be placed on my YouTube channel. Search Bruce Hooley channel. When you go to YouTube, you have to type in Bruce Hooley channel, not just Bruce Hooley. Uh, I will try to um, post some additional links with each one of the videos to things that I find uh, dovetail with it. I would appreciate your comments either on YouTube or here. Please tell your friends about the content. If you think it will help them, that would be great. I appreciate all you guys listening and ladies who listen, and I wish you uh, closeness with God in your Bible study, in your prayer time, in your journaling time, in your quiet time. That is where the richness of life waits for you to find it. The Bible is an amazing book. It is the living, breathing Word of God that can change your life every single time you pick it up. Every single time. 